you know, the every time you see a, uh, you know, a documentary or you read a story about like, you know, who's hiding money and how are they getting it to, uh, you know, to Central America or how are they getting this? It's always through, through Wilmington, Delaware. And oh like, my oh. God. We're like, oh, we when, did it. We what's did it again. the historiography of that? Like what time period does that start in? Oh, so this will be interesting. And, and uh, Carl knows a lot about this. I've, I've always been curious about that. Yeah. So uh, I believe it was the, it was the Senator now, Tom, Car Tom Carper, the old, real old Senator. Okay. You know who I'm talking about in Delaware? So there's no, Coons. But I does, can... One of the U S senators um, was way back in the day. One of his first jobs was he was like the treasurer of Delaware, like in, I think the late seventies, I want to say. And, and, they, and they came up with this scheme to basically, you know, do LLCs here for low, for like low fees and no tax. Uh, and to do like the, the, the real heavy, like banking deregulation. So like interest rates and shit banks could do. So like everybody says, that's why your credit card comes from here. Cause everybody, that's what they do. Um, so yeah, all of that, all of that was put in place. Um, and the guy who's the U S Senator now, uh, was, was, was part of putting together that architecture. Did What's I get his name? Tom Carper is his name. Oh, the, I just looked him up. Yeah. I looked him up. Google images is my library, you know, to see how creepy people look. He's extremely creepy, especially if you see him now because he's extremely old. And uh, right. know, yeah, I mean, he's he's also and somebody reminded me we were recording yesterday. He's a uh, he was a, a he was a Vietnam pilot too, like a John McCain type. So he always talks about like how we were getting them then. But they all they all came around and we're like, like, yeah, he says a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah. Go ahead. And also with Delaware, we had one of the first general incorporation laws in the country, um, which basically said you don't have to get a charter. There's like a standardized process, and so we have some of the oldest corporate law, uh, and also just the fact that we're such a small state, but we had the Dupont industry here. Uh, they could just essentially take over the state uh, a lot easier than like like a Rockefeller or a Carnegie couldn't take over. Pennsylvania because that's a much bigger situation whereas Delaware was always kind of stagnant and always controlled by these corporate interests and yeah. and when did that corporate no charter law come in late 1800s I forget exactly when it was it might have been our 1897 constitution but it might have been before that okay so it's and DuPont's been like the power forever in Delaware yeah, it's like the 1830s or so yeah they, they've always been huge all, all, up until like my um, when I was a kid you know they were interesting Okay, yeah. and now it's different. Well, plus they have the court. I don't know if you saw um, a few weeks ago because you know it's on the it's this is on the internet. So Elon Musk had to come to Wilmington for a couple of days because he's in, he's embroiled in this he's embroiled in this dumb like they bought out this solar company, uh, but there was like the solar company was I guess calling for some sort of fraud or some sort of damages, and every all the other interests have settled out of court. But Musk, of course, didn't want to settle out of court because he's got to do the goofiest thing. Um, but that but but that cases like that are adjudicated because of corporate law at the Chancery Court in downtown Wilmington. So they have their own like corporate court. Right. Say. Right. Yeah. So we have all the all the bells and whistles. And that's existed right for just a long time. Yeah, that's existed, I think, since the 70s. But the the court the, of Chancery has existed since the like 1790s. Oh, the Chancery Court. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, the Chancery but the, yeah, Court. Yeah, the usury is uh, the, <coughs> the Chancery Court is is old, sort of chartered in too, as Carl was saying. Uh, but the the LLCs, <coughs> which like you know the money laundering stuff and the banking and the banking like no usury rate, you know, low tax, all of that stuff. That's like late 70s. Ladies and ladies and gentlemen, uh, from the shadow of Rockford Tower, behind enemy lines, in the nerve center of the Delaware Way corporate elite, this is Rob bringing you another edition of the Highlands Bunker podcast. Um, super producer Carl is here in the studio, uh, and with me, and we're already having fun. I knew it was going to go this way. Um, is my 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 bestest internet friend from Santiago, Chile. Um, she's an American in exile, uh, an academic, a podcast contributor, and possibly the chillest uh, account on leftist Twitter. Uh, Natty Smith. Hi, Natty. Hey. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me on. It's a, I'm glad to be here. It's been a, a long time coming. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm so, I'm so glad um, that you could take we've, the time. We've, we've known each other a long time and I like, I like to talk shit and think ideas with good people uh, on the interwebs. Yes. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's really what it's all about. It's, 
make some make some thoughtful yes, radio. It's just, the, you know? it's just the content we can make along the way. Just making some content. <laughs> That's what we. <laughs> <laughs> one of my questions. One of my questions at the end of this was to do that. Was to do the Dasha from Red Scare, but like talk about how how excited you were to book Steve Bannon. <laughs> oh, my, oh my god it's not my fault that he like i could have never known that he would go right wing so right wing <laughs> so so right wing but yeah i mean he was flirting before but it's like okay it got too far and people try to blame that on me which i feel like i couldn't have known or be responsible for that <laughs> ladies and gentlemen that is uh, every other every other red scare podcast sounds just like that um, I can it's like unnerving how easy I mean my Dasha isn't exactly Dasha you know like it's like a version of my worst possible self and but it's like a different voice but also hers but I can just like key into it I find I kind of find that's what I kind of find that's what makes them that's what makes those kind of impressions good I think is you have to take take on your own sort of spin to it yeah so you can really because you wouldn't, you know, you've read or, or done long passages like that, and I don't think you'd be able mm. to do that unless there was like a piece of you doing it. You know, you for can't sure. just, you can't well, just fake it. Well, that's something that was beautiful about Michael. You know, um, I had disagreements with Michael, but also cared about him very deeply. And I, I, I know what you mean about opening up worlds and sometimes disagreeing with those worlds, right? And there's something personal to that. But his impressions were always. Me and him talked in depth about his impressions. You know, and they were very much about him and these people and what power is and sort of playing with your shadow sides. And there's something very beautiful and like forgiveness in that, you know? Yeah. And it also always came from a, like that grain of truth. Like it always came from yeah. somebody trying to co-opt uh, King or somebody saying this was like the struggle for apartheid and he would do, you know, Mandela or so it always kind of, it was clear yeah. that the, it was clear that the root of it was completely satirical and, and really thought out. Absolutely. It yeah. came from a place, well, a lot of times, too, I think those impressions come from a place of, of love and anger and dealing with your own self and dealing with even the shadows within these prominent people, right? You know, whether it be Mandela or Bernie or Obama, the unconscious, but also drawing that out out of your own anger at ideologies, right? And it's it's uh, trying to embody that is like a, an interesting um, practice, I think. Yeah, because the nation of Islam, Obama was ang <laughs> was extremely angry, but but yeah. also you would expect that anger from uh, you know somebody in the nation, right, or whatever. So it all kind of went together. You could, yeah, exactly what you're saying. It was like the the emotion put to it is is coming from from Michael, really, and it was it was of great. Of course, of course. Yeah, I tried my hand at, a, at an Obama yesterday when we recorded about something. <laughs> That's it didn't a tough really, one. It didn't really come <laughs> off. I was, I was yelling about white devils, and people were just looking at me like, uh. No. Well, that was what was tricky, too. Like, Michael's like a white dude, you know, and doing a, I mean, that's like a risky thing to be like, I'm going to do a, a nation of Islam Obama. It's not nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's, and, and, and apart from the politics of it, just to kind of inhabit that character. I think you gotta like lean into the characters that are natural to you. Like that just kind of like if it doesn't flow, you're not gonna be able. Like Obama's like a certain type of person. Like there's no fucking way I could do an Obama impression. It's just like not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> like you gotta like find your wheelhouse of like who you relate to. You know. Yes. And that's part of what was funny about Michael that Michael had a side like that. Like a side that like wanted to be president, you know, like he had a side that was like, I'm in charge, you know, and it's like playing yeah. with that. Yeah. I mean, he famously wanted to, he wanted to famously take over for Bill Maher and do like the Bill Maher show, <laughs> but the way, the way he would do it, you know, of course, is, I, of course. I just, I, I've, I, I, I'm, I'm sad that never came to fruition actually. Well, let's get into a little bit of, uh, of educational instructive stuff before we start <laughs> Before Let's we do start, it. before we start, you bring me on. Talking, I have, back. yeah, I have two. I have two peaceful sours. I'll tell you every truth. No, I'm just kidding. This is like an inch. This is why you guys should listen to Superstructure to see like what Natty is like willing to say that day. Yes, it's <laughs> a lot. It's a lot of. It's a lot of good um, MMT information, and then just like just leftist mm. gossip. I love it. So <laughs> so good. Gossip is important. Gossip is important in every. In every sphere of life, people try to pretend they're not about gossip, and I understand that gossip is, like, violent in a lot of ways, but, like, in every sphere of your life you've ever been in, like, gossip was a part of it, right? And, like, it's often a, like, 
there's it's a complicated social negotiation. There's a lot of like possible gossip practices. Like it's important to be ethical, certainly, which is complicated, right? Oh, extremely. Um, because yeah, you're trying to sort of work out that social interaction while you're, you know, maybe not not that you're not telling the truth, but you know, you're on a, you're on you're riding a fine line. There's a lot to it. And, the uh, truth is a fine line, and that's something Michael played with too a lot, right? Like, what is what, and that's a hard line to to surf. Like, I respect that that's a complicated line to surf to have people hanging on what you're saying and trying to like surf the um, like correct line, but that line is always fuzzy, right? There is no line, so that's it's tricky. That it's a it's a practice, you know. Yeah, I mean, famously in, in the first maybe the first five or ten episodes of his show. One of his like, the, there was a there was a segment where he sent somebody to the gulag, the virtual gulag. <laughs> do you, do you remember that? With, no, but he started with the pure like he, like each incarnation was like problematic to me, but it like started actually as the pyramid. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it got to the Which gulag. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I wasn't even I wasn't even sure what some of it meant. No, and I think yeah. like then he had. I think like, he had. The, the point is, you misbehaved. That's the point. Yeah, you were going to the you were going to the penalty yeah. box, but he but, right. but, but he stopped doing it because they were just like it's it's too much. We can't. That's like. Well, he probably got a lot of pushback, and it was like stressful, you know. Yeah, well, I know Taibi was in the studio uh -huh. early on, and I think I don't think he ever came out and said it, or or maybe he did, and I'm just mis I'm not remembering it properly, but. Like Taibi, among others, were like, "That's a little much," and he kind of thought about it and then just retired. Right. Never well, and it it's again. interesting too, because yeah, that's a hard thing about like, yeah, because Taibi could sometimes go far the other way, right? Like, kind of like reiterating white Russian viewpoints, but then on the left, there are like Stalinist nostalgic viewpoints too. It's like it's complicated this sort of negotiation of like the pop culture of the Soviet past, right? That's a complicated uh, thing because I think there were crimes and but they're also reactionaries, right? So that's, again, another example of, like, a complicated uh, line to negotiate historically. Oh, yeah. I think about it. Well, I think about it with Stalin because you run up against that on the leftist internet, you know, just all the time. Not even and not even just leftist internet. Even, you know, you go to a DSA meeting or something like that, you could. Oh, yeah, and in Russia, that's a real yeah. thing that exists. Yeah, it's not just, like, nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. Or just in the thought... Legacies. I mean, there's a lot of different currents, but yeah, definitely. Uh, so let's get to, to to what's going on in Chile because it's pretty All exciting. Right. I do want to talk about um, some others where elections have been had um, in uh -huh. Peru and Bolivia, uh, but Chile uh -huh. is Chile's in a cool spot. So catch me up. I'll I'll give you the summary of what I know in my brain. And okay, you can catch me up. So okay. in 2019, there was a resurgence of like the early 2010 sort of student movement. Um, which was like against like transit and education fees and stuff like that, and and then I know that the 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 national referendum for the new constitution was voted on and approved, and that was like this huge sign that there's going to be a constitutional convention and we can sort of write out the neoliberalism that was written in during the after the coup, and um, and so that was exciting. And now there was just the first phase of elections where the most leftist candidate um, didn't win, but the I guess the leftist sort of coalition candidate Boric is that how you say his mm -hmm. name? G Gabriel Boric. I don't, I don't know. Even among my Chilean friends, that's a controversy. So <laughs> the, the pronunciation. Thank God, because I, I'm terrible. At it. Boric, Boric. I feel like nobody knows. Yeah. So I think so, I think it's a Croatian name, but that doesn't mean that I know better. <laughs> yeah, and I'm always a little I'm always a little concerned with Central Europeans in in South America, which is a little strange. But no, this is uh, I don't think this is a I think he's also like part French anyway. Ah, got it. But uh, but yeah, so he's he seems like he's going to be the front runner anyway going into the general election. And so, what can you tell us sort of about the constitutional convention and what that means and and what kind of issues are going to come up? Um, that are going to be sort of worked out in the new constitution and what are leftists looking for with that. And then also the, the general election uh, between, you know, basically not the most leftist candidate, but uh, Boric and, um, and his opponent, what's it, Scheichel? Scheichel? Something like that? Seychelles? Um, there might be a couple other candidates, but like the main right candidate. Is right, right, okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah. 
Wow, that's great questions. Uh, let's see, where do I want to start? Um, so the Constitutional Convention is is ongoing right now. It started in like, I think the last month or so and will be going on like nine months and it's a big deal. I mean, the last Constitution for Chile was written in, or went into effect around like 1980 and, you know, was written under the dictatorship. I mean, by a clique of like right-wingers, right? Famously, Jaime Guzman is one of these big constitution writers and it's like a famously severe neoliberal constitution where like a lot of different things about voting kind of favor the right uh privatization and uh water and rights and all these different things just kind of try to imagine the most severe right-wing constitution you can and that's kind of that um and so that was always sort of on the agenda of different things that were going on and you know, Pinochet died in 2005, and he had been in the 90s, like, a senator for life, and then after he was taken out of the dictatorship, but then, you know, you have the famous case where the Spanish judge gets him arrested in London, and there's these, like, human rights uh, trials in the late 90s, early aughts, where he's, like, you know, has dementia and can't be tried anyway, and all these things. And then, so I think 2006 is the first kind of eruption of like the pinguinos. They call them the penguins for their student uh, uniforms. And then 2011 again, and you're kind of getting these new waves of like the 80s, 90s protest movement uh, with young people who are growing up and coming of age when Pinochet's dead, you know, <laughs> um, and sort of saying like, what is politics now? What does this mean? And kind of, we're not just in this post-shock kind of 90s phase, we're coming of age in the aughts and the tens, and we're these kids, and yeah, and the, in 2011, I mean, there were a lot of, it was interesting, I had just gotten here in 2010, and, you know, seeing the student takeovers of the schools, and like all the chairs, and I mean, it was, it was an introduction to militancy in a way that felt very, like, of place, and, you know, 2019, a lot of things lead up to that, a lot of different factions that have been kind of doing their thing for a while, whether it's like people dealing with pension funds, like, you know, retired people's movements or fishermen or Mapuche indigenous people in the South or water rights or uh, working people, teachers. I mean, there's just like kind of this mix of a long history of movements and also sort of center left, center right apathy, right? And then, yeah, in 2019, you get the the students are like having all year kind of like on and off things going on with protests and sort of uh, strong enforcement, like Lele Aula Segura, like where the police were like pretty strong on college campuses and student campuses. There was like an ongoing thing and that was going on that year. And then they did the uh, fare evasion for a 30 cent increase and, you know, it, it eventually took off where, you know, you get that repression blowback where they're throwing tear grass and trains, right? And there's a state of emergency and there's tanks in the street and, you know, things take off in a way that's actually ends up in its way being productive. And then, so that all happens October, 2019. And then, you know, they'd say, no son 30 pesos son 30 años, right? It's not 30 pesos, it's 30 years, right? Since Pinochet is not dictator, we've been in this sort of centrist neoliberal space. And so then, it's interesting. In November of 2019, you kind of get a negotiation for a deal to have a plebiscite about the Constitution. And that's an interesting thing about the candidate from the Communist Party. You're citing is like, more leftist Holloway. Um, it's interesting. He'll, he'll still like kind of throw shit and people will throw shit at Boric because Boric was in front the Amplio and part of this coalition that made a deal with the, the politicians to get a plebiscite. And they're like, oh, you... La cocina, they call it, the kitchen, like this implication of corruption, like, oh, you're working with the other side to get this deal. But like, you know, this deal for the plebiscite in, um, ended up, it got postponed. It was going to be in like April, but then COVID came. So it ended up being in like September, I think, of 2020. And that passed overwhelmingly the approval to have a new constitutional process, I think like 70, 80 percent. And then I think it was like in May-ish of this year, 2021, when they had like state and municipal elections, that they also had the elections for the constitutional convention. And that went really well because um, it's interesting that basically the right to block things needed more than one third and they didn't get that. And so 
all these different things in question. And, and, and interestingly, independence did really well. So the center left, like really, really center left, Concertacion, like the 90s aughts, Chilean parties were decimated. Same with the center right in the constitutional convention votes. Um, and, and a lot of like independent candidates won. So it's interesting. But the left has over two thirds for the ongoing convention, which is going to deal with, yeah, a lot of things, whether it's like international trade or indigenous water rights or, I mean, workers' rights. I mean, the list is going to be really long and it's going to be an ongoing process, but it's very historic. Yeah, I think it's so instructive because, um, you know, you describe it so well across all of, all of these things. You know, you're talking about desks being overturned and, and mass protest fair jumping and, you know, d disorder in the street. Um, but also, you know, a, a guy making a deal to get this uh, plebiscite that actually turns out um, to be approved and puts, you know, Chile on a path to reckon with their history, bring all this stuff together and try to go forward. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot to learn from that that process. That's, and it's an ongoing process, you know, and they're 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 fighting against, um, you know, they're going to be fighting against forces within Chile and certainly without, um, as we've seen all across South America. Totally. It's going to be an ongoing, an ongoing process. So now we're going to get to our first, um, our, our first controversy, I think, because there was just an election in Peru. And uh, famously, when, when Pedro Castillo uh, won the first round or, or did well in the first round to make it to the, the final round, um, you know, the, the Western media and, and the uh, American media didn't have <clears throat> didn't even have a photo of him. Uh, and then he wa he winds up winning, and it's very you know he's he's the leftist candidate you know he's a, he's a school teacher and a, and a labor organizer and a farmer, um, and he has you know uh, Marxist ideas and and he has Marxist advisors, um, but but you you took a there there were there were some things to be to be wary of, um, so why don't we just talk about Castillo a little bit, and then we'll talk about some of the events that happened in the last couple of days once he was inaugurated. Sure. I mean, you know, first and foremost, I should say that I'm still, like, learning about the Peruvian context. I mean, I think I think what's interesting about all these countries is that it's, like, each one has, like, a really deep context to understand. Like, no matter how much I learn about Chile, there's so many layers of people's instincts that you can never fully be on it. And, like, Peru has a really, I think, particular set of historical contexts that are also pretty different from Chile. And I think I understand this impulse to, A, like, just be like, well, uh, the centrist NPR liberal U.S. type media is, is corrupt and they're supporting probably, you know, they're using cynically this idea that he's like not so supporting LGBT or they're, they're taking his bad sides and kind of in this lib way, cynically supporting that to like support a neolib Keiko Fujimori. But, you know, I think he's interesting that he's kind of, yeah, was like an unknown, kind of came out of nowhere in some ways, like this sort of teachers union, indigenous context. But I, yeah, I think Peru has a really interesting context with, you know, whether it's like these kind of indigenous rondero traditions, this like tradition of local peasant militia and kind of all the complexities of the Sendero Luminoso, like the Shining Path era and then but on the other hand I, I mean I I think there can be an over eagerness I mean you know in Mexico they have a Marxist at the treasury who who governs conservatively because many Marxist ideas of money are conservative and they're anti-deficit spending right so like you know AMLO has a Marxist in the treasury and AMLO is like a balanced budget conservative <laughs> you know like and so yeah, like the tra the traditions are more complicated. And so it's clear that like it's good Castillo won, Fujimori is really corrupt, like cool, like indigenous stuff, like teachers unions, like cool, like radical um, populism. But, you know, I have concerns, whether it be uh, about sort of some leanings that are like kind of a conservative reading of the central bank, kind of part of traditions that are not unlike Evo or parts of communists in Chile, like this neoliberal resource extraction and then take a cut of taxes that doesn't understand how like deficit spending works and then in addition to that this kind of sense that 
people who aren't working or studying should be in the military and uh yeah you know, I, mean, I, I mean there's there's I, I, that that was a bad like yeah that was that was a specific thing and the reason i i, I wanted to interrupt and get your take on it was, sure go ahead when, when i heard that i was like wow that's not something you want to hear you know i think it was something like you know if, if students aren't going to continue with the college education or be employed at this they have to go into the military which sounds bad but i thought of it like and not that i knew what the context was but i know that there's other layers of like of of context and tradition uh about maybe militias or you know revolutionary sort of just social work um so i didn't really know what he meant um but yeah it didn't sound good when he said it <laughs> Well, I mean, and that's what is complicated for me that I say, like, I'm still like getting a feel as much as I can for proving context. But yeah, like they have in the early 70s, like a sort of left leaning military dictator, Velasco Alvarado, I think is the name who gets taken out like in the mid 70s, I think by a more right dictator, you know, and then obviously you have the Fujimori years and the Sendero Luminoso years, and those are all kind of authoritarian. And and then the anti-shining path people, the Ronderos, that's kind of his tradition. And yeah, so there's a different militant tradition, especially, I think, in the countryside and sort of, to an extent, I think, different left-right alignments of complexity within that militarism. And, and you know, there's complex things, too. Like, uh, I think one thing that also kind of, you know, put up my warning signals, among others, was how, um, you know, Castillo was making... Um, nods to maybe pardoning like one of the imprisoned former uh Peruvian presidents Umala who was like I think late aughts early tens but yeah like came in as a quote-unquote Marxist Leninist and kind of became a neoliberal corrupt authoritarian with like pink tied wink leanings you know and 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 this Marxist Leninism that is hardly that right but I mean, and I think there are left leanings, but I mean, these places, I think, I think from abroad, yeah, you want to celebrate and not be on this Fukimori line and support this indigenous teachers union type stuff. But I think there's things to be wary of. I mean, also the way he talks about Venezuelan migrants, I mean, outside of Colombia, the neighbor of Venezuela, Peru has the second highest population of Venezuelan migration. And he, he said it was a human trafficking problem and they have like a million Venezuelans in the country like I mean there's there's issues there's conservative trends and this I would say is a little different from Chile this is a more conservative strand I would say in that tradition it's a that more, I do you think it's fully... more you think it's like more national it seems like more nationalistic maybe maybe yeah it seems like there's probably some of that I would guess and you know me being in Chile probably fuck me because they also have like a huge rivalry like they are like all about like fuck Chile right for <laughs> so maybe I'm full of shit right but I think I think there's a really complex tradition there that um, there's a lot of different things going on. Yeah, and I it's guess not, you sort of have yeah. to see how it, how it plays out, you know, how it winds up pl playing out. Because as you said, uh, AMLO has, has a Marxist in his cabinet, and, and he's sort of, I still think AMLO's pretty good. Um, but uh, Lula, he's, he's uh, resurgent, and, and I think he was the same. You know, he, he came up like he was going to be like a radical, and he didn't govern that way. But the results were good and now that you know brazil doesn't seem to be uh you know cool with the with the bolsonaro experiment um you know they they want him to come back but you know everybody knows that he he didn't he didn't exactly you know um he didn't govern uh the way his rhetoric was the first time i mean do you think so i mean do you th i mean I, I just look at that too like you always have to look at all of these sort of leftist um, workers, candidates, um, in a, in a, in a very, uh, through a very complex lens. There's a lot going right. on. Right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And that's what I say too. Like any of these things, I can't like assert myself as the final authority. Cause like each place has so many layers that it's like, you would need a lifetime to get to know each one. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Lula has some of those same issues, like kind of just some extractivism into development, having, some good things, but also some possible limits and, uh, you know, getting too dependent on the commodity cycle boom bust, right? Um, which hurts a lot of the pink tide governments in the early 2010s. Yeah, Venezuela um, too. Absolutely. And Venezuela didn't do good management of like currency either. I mean, a lot of issues, but yeah, the commodity boom and bust hurt a lot of places. And um, it's a... It's a thing that, you know, there are traditions of some of these pink tide governments, uh, some of their leaders having sort of 
centrist economic ties, you know, that during boom work out okay. And, you know, there's there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of debates, I think. Yeah, I guess my, my broader point um, is that I like having at least these conversations about, like you said, about how much how much extraction gets taken and because you're you're talking about like sort of a a socialist model and how we're going to operate within that model if you can hold power and do that where i think from an american perspective all of the that you know OAS and the US and the CIA they hate all of that so as long as we can get to a point where we're talking about making those kind of economic decisions um, I'm willing to have that conversation and, and crush the neoliberal part. Um, I mean, we're still working up here on, on, on that bit of it. You know what I mean? Like, um, we, we haven't gotten past the, you know, imagine if, imagine if there was a, a movement in the United States to rewrite the constitution, you know, that wouldn't, I mean, I think there are some people, but yeah, it, it's hard to have, it's, a... hard, it's hard for people to imagine it, I think. Well, it's hard to have the numbers that you need right now. And yeah, it, no, yeah, it's, it's very true. cool to see a protest movement kind of end up that way. You know, it's a constitution that was hated for a long time, that there was the sense of like the transition to democracy in Chile that's like limited by this dictatorship constitution. And so sort of this riot cycle kind of brings that up into the discussion again. Yeah, demonstrations, organizing all kinds of working people and indigenous people. Um, oh. You know, that's what kind of I think that's what that's what that's the backbone of the whole the whole enterprise. Um, totally. That's what we're trying to teach people here. So here's here's a here's a question for you. And I, and I did not know I did, actually didn't know this until today, I think, because I was trying to figure out a funny way to to, to bring this topic up. So uh, there's going to be a new book out next year called Behold a Fail Horse. Okay. Uh, Matt Chrisman just signed a big, uh, a big deal with zero books. Sure, sure, to, sure. To, to write this, um, I know. Here, here's what I know, and that's why I brought it up like this. Like, sure, I, please. I, I get teased about like the Matt Chrisman thing because I have the beard, and I'm kind of like, I like history, and okay. so I get like tied into that. Like, you want sh- to be Matt Chrisman? I'm not saying I want to be Matt Chrisman. <laughs> that's not. Why would you say that? No. I, I don't no, know. I know. <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 but you, I think, have a critique of that whole, and I'm using him as like a sure a- avatar of something, like an avatar yeah, yeah, yeah. of. Um, I'll give you Sorry, another. I'll, get, I'll give you another example. A few weeks ago, yeah. um, we were talking about the Jacobin YouTube channel. Oh, if, okay. Yeah, lovely. And like, <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm, I'm, I have to, I have to say that I'm, I'm here, a little sorry. disappointed in it. Um, it, yeah. you know, it started just a couple years ago, and like yeah. because I felt like the magazine was really um, was good. Uh, Most the... sometimes. Well, <laughs> even when it wasn't good, it was like, well, this is a good thing to argue about. This seems like sort of like the conversation right. we were having before. But right. the YouTube channel, and, and Carl pointed this out too, is just devolving into um, kind of the same sort of like. I don't know, back and forth of the, of of one or two topics. So it's like. You know, two or three different hosts talk to two or three different people about like basically the same topic, and it's always like just a click driving mechanism. So it's kind of boring. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I don't know. Well, like, and I... so is their ideology. You think in what way? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if the point of being boring is is that this the same two hosts. I mean, I think that means the hosts aren't good if you're bored of them. It means they're not interesting. But yeah, I that's think fair. that <laughs> yeah, but I think that there's sort of a certain repetition of um, a desire to sort of uh, not be online and to have a real effect in the world, which is understandable, but I think is kind of coming out of a sense of frustration or failure, a sense of craving for the real, a sense of self-hatred and your own mediation and sense of failure, as well as your own like megalomania to be bigger, like for Matt Christmas to somehow drive the whole discourse, right? And I think there's a certain, yeah, repetitiveness and violence to this sort of sense that their desire for something good to happen, they're expressing through a violence against, um, yeah, I understand the limits of some communities, like this idea that we're going to get Medicare through all, for all through a Twitter vote, obviously, or something like isn't realistic. And I can understand a critique of certain aesthetic and discursive modes, but I think this gets like really 
oversimplify it in a way that has a certain effective, effective violence that ends up pairing with some of the people they're willing to make excuses for and some of the people they're willing to work with. And you see some of the discourses that come out of their their areas and, and it's a pattern and each one you can say, oh, they're a good person, they're for the left, but like you gotta like appreciate a can you give it over time. Give me, give me a couple examples of how you would see it, like on an uh, if and even if you don't want to name a person, maybe you can name an issue about how it's uh, uh you know like, and sort of to demonstrate the pattern. Well, I mean, just a more recent one, if we want to be like topical, like Felix is like talking like suck my dick, like if you make me wear a mask in a gym, it's like are you four years old? Like what? Like the 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 tone and the anger and the disregard for people's fears is like dark in my opinion and and flirting with um kind of emotional violence yeah let me ask you this because i saw that too and I, I found it strange but do you uh, like i guess felix as a person like he's just like a goofy guy that says goofy stuff um I, I don't know whether that drives. That's what John. Dis- that's what John Stewart said too. Uh, I don't know if that drives the di- like you said. Maybe like on the Jacobin sort of like intellectual side or whatever you want to call it, uh, away from like the comedy end of it. Um, you know, I do think that there's something to say about about that. But Felix, I don't think he's a big. But that wasn't shaker. funny. Nobody found that funny. People either well, agreed no. or disagreed. Nobody laughed. People well, were like, "Yeah, here's fuck what's you funny. too," or or they were offended. Nobody laughed. It wasn't funny. Here's I, maybe I'm in the maybe I have a problem then because I looked at it like well that's not a funny joke, but there is a point to be made for you know you tell everybody to go get the vaccine and we were lucky enough to be able to get it pretty quickly and every you know the people you know a, a good group of people not enough not enough to uh, stop the Delta variant and now we're going back with another wave but and I think people are are are, uh, are just frustrated that enough people got the vaccine that we should be getting out of it but for whatever reason we can't and so i thought that that was just a that was a and maybe this is again i'm talking about myself having like vaccine frustration like come on can't we all just jump on board for each other and 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 fucking finish this off um so that's the kind of the way i took it but that might be personal to me now as a joke it was fucking stupid because it was like way too way too like violent like why do you got to be so angry about it even if you thought because he is angry and you th- okay, I see what you're saying, and that's the yeah, yeah, he is. You're right, which is weird, right? And that's like where these slippages come out, and there's there's different patterns like that about a lot of stuff. I mean, whether it be uh, I don't know Matt Chrisman like laughing off like workers uh, strikes and grad student unions, or Amber Lou. I mean, sorry, not Amber Lou, but her too. But or Amber Ailey Frost like making fun of, like, bourgeois middle-class women who uh, want to have uh, hysterectomies, and that's, like, a bourgeois phenomenon. It's like, what is this about? Like, I understand, like, wanting to get to fight lib cynicism that isn't real radicalism, but when this ends up in these, like, violent registers makes me wonder what it is you're really flirting with, you know? It's like, this is not leftism to me. Yeah, it's funny. I, I like... I knew we were going to talk about this, but I wasn't exactly sure how you were going to frame it, and I under and I understand it perfectly. Yeah, it's like I, I and I think I I think people are getting away getting away from themselves. It's like you said it perfectly. You want to fight sort of this um, liberal, and it's and and again because it's the because it's the uh, the dominant cultural ideology, whatever you want to call it, because it is dominant. You feel like you have to be edgy. You kind of have to be angry. You have to be mean a little bit to break through, like the the hegemonic, you know, superstructure, if you want to call it that. Um, but but um, they but will yeah. never defeat me. <laughs> <laughs> but so so I think it starts out. It starts out like okay, we're we're at war with the status quo, and because it's the status quo, we have to you know we have to steel ourselves and really kind of point out these contradictions, et cetera, et cetera. But it goes too far. Like it becomes like it, it does become kind of like hateful. And which... why is it? And the question is, why does it go in the directions it goes? Right. Like it goes in particular directions like, yeah, like Amber shit predictably goes against women. Like, you know, there's patterns that are reactionary and it's like, 
often couched in this like well we have to appeal to normal people because like normal workers like have a certain amount of like natural or reactionary impulses and it's like there's a lot of like a naturalizing uh being reactionary which is condescending and in pretending that's like empathy and understanding and then b um making excuses for things and uh i think the patterns go a certain way it's like amber they don't end up like going too far for the Panthers. That's not the direction they go too far. Yeah, no, I, I, I... <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously on that side of the argument. Like I'm, I'm on like the Adolf Reed side of the argument. And I guess I haven't found a good way to, um, to figure out what that means in my real life, like Adolf Adolf Reed, which which part of the Adolf? Well, argument? just well, he'll say something like, "I'll give you an example." He'll, you know, the, what he what how he always has to argue against uh, class reductionism, and basically saying, you know, if you, if you're trying to organize a worker in South Carolina, they might not hold the cultural views that you do. You're at feet, you know, like where 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 Felix would handle it in a very angry way. Um, Reed would say something like, "You know, you well, have." I think I think Reed is pretty angry as well. Uh, <laughs> you, you know you're not you're not wrong you're not wrong you're not wrong about that. I can I can I can kill every sacred cow if you want me to. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I mean, I, I suppose. I suppose. But is that now? Let me ask you this: Is that a? Is that a? You're you're basically saying that that's indicative of sort of a, a weakness or a, or a failure or a direction they're going that we don't want to go. Yeah. Or or is it for some people like? Like Chrisman say, or uh, or Felix, and I, I don't, Adolf Reed wouldn't be this way. But is it for effect? Is it just like supposed to be enter funny, like entertaining, and sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't? Who is that for? You mean what do you what do you mean? Like, What's the audience? Uh, yeah, I guess just a a, a, a bunch of average fucking dirtbag leftists. I don't I don't know. Yeah, that's okay. A good so question. like the know. the already converted is it like a certain type? people they're trying to convert a certain set of people they're trying to piss off and like who are those people does that does that map on to real i mean i think there's a performance happening for a certain set of people um that there's i think again like a, a thesis about like uh normal impulses like oh we'll attract more workers if we're shitty and i think b a lack of caring who their like edgy humor hurts <laughs> because that's not in their like uh left left center majority and i understand i understand like saying you need to have a sense of humor like i'll laugh more than any bitch out there i have more of a sense of humor than any of these bitches i'll laugh <laughs> that is i mean I, I will. I have to step up for you here. You, you are. You are very funny. That's this. I think. Well, and I find everybody else funny too. Like the, I'm. My funniness is because I find other everything else funny too. I just find things funny, right? So I'm not like. I don't find things funny, but I don't just like make excuses for things that are like not about here. Like there's things that are about ideology and about a line, and like you are trying to send a message, and people want to disown that, and and I think that's really weak because this leftist line is like posing itself as like way above like the lib uh, John Stewart's uh, Colbert of the world who make the exact same move, which is to like couch their comedy in an apolitical connection to like, Oh, I'm just like, I'm just like saying what's a normal reaction to this uh, right wing reaction. And then thereby normalizing a centrist line and they're making the exact same move just to the left of it. But they are just saying, no, I'm not a commentator. I'm not making a political line. I'm just, using my natural comedy instincts to understand the common man just left to John Stewart but with the same exact yeah it's uh, the same ideological pattern it's the same formula on a different plane yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no I, I got you i got you and i get i get looking to build um hegemony in those ways and you know i found a lot of those people funny at different times i found felix funny at different times but i absolutely unfollow i mean he's had issues to me for a long time but yeah i unfollowed him for that like i don't you know my wife uh, had no symptoms of COVID and ended up in the hospital with like 10 million blood clots. Like, fuck you, suck my dick. That's the language you're using? Really? Like, I get that things are complicated, but like, 
you're like a fucking child. Do you know how many fucking people have died? And that's the attitude you have about it is to say, suck your dick about the gym. Like, fuck you, honestly. Like, to me, that's not, like, on any level if somebody has the kind of empathy to be any kind of, like, discourse leader on the left. Like, that's just, like, childish bullshit. That's, I'm just, like, I have no respect for that. That's, like, I'm, I, that's, like, on a level to me that's, like, you don't deserve to be, like, leading. Like, go make a hundred more masturbation jokes and leave us the fuck alone. Like, it's too much. Like, you don't, you, to me, I'm not canceling you, but, like, I don't respect you. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I think that that's right. I think that that uh, certainly commentators like him do do not have any sort of empathy or feeling about what you know, like what their audience is or what they're trying to do. Um, I do. I guess I I look at it like when they, <laughs> and maybe again, maybe I'm I'm part of the problem, and it's just like apology or something. And I'm not talking no, about him specifically. It's not, it's I, not I'm, like that. I'm, 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 I'm tough. I'm tough. I'm tough. Yeah, in a general sense, I would say right. that, uh, like, yeah, like, like if 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 there's a, a critique, you know, and and Matt Carp comes on and talks about a critique of some other historian, and they run through and they make fun of this sort of centrist neoliberal historian or something, I think that there's that's almost like punching up if you want to talk about from a leftist to a sort of a, a neoliberal perspective, but the idea that you have to like, hey, you know. Um, workers don't like this particular thing so if it's important to you you're a fucking baby and you're like well that's not really that's not really true um, and, and you can't pretend that's not coming from like it's coming from a white cis i mean they are consciously white cis male in their presentation hetero and that's fucking fine but there's an ideology to that it's like they're it's not that it's wrong to be that way but they are like there's a line of ableism. There's a line of, I mean, there's just a lot of things that it's like, I get that, like, we want some social democratic populism, but just like, can we have a better one? This one is shitty. <laughs> yeah. Can we have a better one? Cause this one's not, this one's not, not good. No, I, no. I think that that's a perfect way to put it. Like, yeah. yeah, we all, we all kind of want the same sort of general idea, but we don't have to be like that. <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't have to go it, it, doesn't and, have to go and, down like and that. and the fact that it's a pattern like i can pick out this one example right and then somebody can say well you're being too strict about x y and z reason but i can pick out a bunch of examples from all different people and all different not just on chapo it's a pattern and it's a pattern that means something it's not it has a purpose the pattern is on whether they know what the purpose is or not like there is a discursive line that like has a purpose and that has problems and can hurt people and so um, it's not personal. I don't, it's not about Felix. It's not about Matt. It's not, you know, I think it's about me caring and us caring for the possibility to talk amongst ourselves as a political left community in a, a healthier, more authentically radical way. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I asked you that question because it's going to help my, my thinking a lot because, uh yeah, I mean I catch myself. I I I enjoy listening to a true and on sometimes, um, <laughs> but like I get, but I'm like, does you have? Does it have to be this out? Like that's actually even a little further because Brace goes a little further into like almost like a character, I think. But or yeah, it's when a, he or when he gives uh, interviews to Rolling Stone and admits to having committed war crimes. Um, do do you think that that's real? Uh, whether it's real or not, I mean, the fact that it is, like, to him a normal thing to, like, go to Rolling Stone and say he, uh, peed on corpses and committed war crimes and then have, like, a left podcast and act like he's, like, a war hero, whether that's real or not, I think shows, like, an ethical breach. Yeah, no, I suppose that's true. Well, yeah, it doesn't really matter then, does it? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, but I get I think... it. They have fun. There's chemistry. But that's sad, right? Like, I understand that people have needs as far as, like, wanting to feel connected to a left discourse and wanting to feel connected to a sense of gossip community. And, you know, that's something that Trunon provides, right? I mean, the sense of, uh, there's sort of this analogy of the story of Epstein, right? And the sense of connect connecting to things that go on in our culture that are corrupt and the chemistry, the, the chatter between them. And I understand uh, the appeal but I mean, I think to me, that's why I care, because uh, I, I find it painful and an ethical breach that people are making these things that people need and that people care for and need desperately and then sort of 
failing uh, their audience. I think. I think it's an ethical breach. Yeah, and just, I mean, just to wrap up that part of it, like that was why I was interested in that because I think your your critique of it and your stance on it is uh, very illustrative to me because I'm always thinking about. I guess because I do this little niche thing. I'm mm-hmm. always thinking about sort of the best way to engage. Like yesterday, we recorded one about just, it basically just became about organizing. Like mm-hmm. some, peop- some people want to organize behind a, a, the, this, this campaign to have one of these, uh, one of our state reps resign because he used, a, he used a terrible anti-Asian slur and he talked about sex uh-huh. workers and he thought it was a private email and it went out. Okay. But, it, okay. but, what it, but what it became was, uh, what, it, what it became was an idea of like, when people get activated, how do you approach them? Where are they coming from? What's their perspective? How do we, you know, it, and I'm always thinking about that kind of stuff. And, you know, going down the, you know, just let's just be outrageous and shit on everybody. And if, if you know, it's sort of like, it's, it's really reactionary to the, to the Trump stuff, kind of. You know, it was like a reaction to that. Like, they're, this is a rea- the way that reactionaries are doing it. We're going to do it, too. And it's it is kind of um, sad, I think. It's un- it doesn't have to be that way. And yeah, I get it. Like I get being edgy. I get being a shithead in certain registers. I get being provocative. But when there's a pattern that has its own reactionary like patterns, it's uh, something I think you have to uh, name for what it is and learn. And you can make it different. It doesn't have to stay that way. You don't have to double down. And continue on that path, but also many times people do, and so you have to make decisions from there. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, with the last few minutes, why don't you tell us? And, and mm-hmm. again, uh, I I um, I didn't mention it, but yeah, I'm I'm very happy that the uh, that the missus is um is back on her feet. And, oh, thank uh, you. I don't mean to make that too personal. <laughs> no, recovered because I yeah I know I heard that because I because I, I didn't want to ask you and as I sort of mentioned in the states we're having a we're having a, another wave of the delta variant because of the the you know the vaccine ra- vaccine rates didn't go um weren't right. high enough weren't just weren't high enough that's just what what it is. Um right. yeah, so what's what's the situation in Chile right now? I mean, I think it's kind of similar where there's like vaccinations, but people are like much more active than they should be and it's like in theory there's lockdown, but in reality like things are really going on and there's like pretty good vaccination rates. Like they got in early on as far as like getting in negotiation, especially with some Chinese vaccines. And like they've had, especially in comparison to like the rest of Latin America, a good vaccination campaign. But there's still, you know, 40,000 people have died, 45,000 out of like 20 million. And um, there's, you know, obviously a huge public health crisis and government obviously is not doing as much as it can. And um I think it's similar in that it's sort of an ongoing open thing that well, isn't as well handled as it should be. No. I mean, I'm happy to hear that there's um, that the infrastructure is getting, you know, Brazil is, is, is having a, a terrible time. Um, I, yeah. I think they I think they still are. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just Absolutely. hoping. And again, this this affects everybody. You know, if, if we can't get it under control, you know, in, in certain places, it's not going to be under control. Uh, for a long time, and that's like uh, that's a bummer to think about. Seriously, it's a legit it's a legit issue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Natty, thanks so much for for joining. I thanks for a... having me. I hope my comments are not too difficult and are 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 good. <laughs> no, I think they're excellent. You, okay, you cool. yeah. I, 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 I had I had a blast. Um, awesome. Thanks for having yeah. me on. It was a pleasure. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, we'll definitely yeah. keep in touch, um, and uh, maybe we'll we'll do this again. Everybody. Awesome. Uh, we're gonna tag in uh, Superstructure here uh, awesome. and, and Natty, and uh, yeah. So you know how to you know what to do. Uh, we're out. Left is best. <laughs> <laughs>